You don't have to be one of Steve Harrington's strange little child friends in order to enjoy some delicious ice cream this summer. You can be you, and ice cream can be Haagen-Dazs. Haagen-Dazs knows your best moments are made even better with a side of their most extraordinary ice cream. That's why this summer, you can treat yourself to any one of the nine flavors of their Trio Crispy Layers collection. With 15 layers of decadence, you can indulge like never before. So what is Trio Crispy Layers exactly? I'm so glad you asked, because I love describing it. Haagen-Dazs Trio Crispy Layers Ice Cream Carton is a harmonious blend of texture, crisp layers, and the finest ice cream all working together. It comes in a variety of different flavors, including four different chocolate flavors, like triple chocolate, made from velvety white chocolate ice cream, complemented by smooth milk chocolate ice cream, with the delightful crunch of crispy Belgian chocolate layers. How's that for taste appeal? There's also a salted caramel chocolate flavor if you prefer, and even a non-dairy dark chocolate crunchy peanut butter. So many options, all of them packed with 15 layers of extraordinary flavor. We're officially in Stranger Things Season 3 territory, folks. And while Mike Bloom and I are going to do our best to transport you to Hawkins in the Upside Down, we can't literally take you to the Starcourt Mall. So get that ice cream for yourself. You deserve it. Pick up Trio Crispy Layers from Haagen-Dazs at various stores near you. And head to Haagen-Dazs.com to discover more. Stranger Things 3, Chapter 2, The Mall Rats is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by the man who has always said that podcasting is better without teeth. It's Mike Bloom. Uh, zero out of five dentists recommend that method, Josh. Does it mean that like podcasting has improved since you've had a child who currently has no teeth? Exactly. And you know what? No teeth allows you to get your Chianti down better. <laughs> it would be hard for the breadstick dinner. No. I mean, you can gum it a bit. Gumming the breadstick seems like a bad choice. Would you rather gum the breadstick or gum the gooey rat? You had, no, I would definitely rather gum the breadstick than gum <laughs> the gooey rat. would you rather? I guess, like, texturally, uh, the gooey rat will be gummed easier, but I fear for uh, my life, uh, which is primary to the second concern, which is the taste. I'm mm. not sure that it would taste so good. It all tastes the same. Uh, you could always moisten the breadstick as well, and that would make the gumming of the breadstick a lot easier. Yeah, gumming breadsticks. Dip sound- it into the Chianti like <laughs> yeah. enough time so that it gets like really dissolved. Mm, gumming breadsticks sounds like, I don't know, like a Pushing Daisies reboot. Uh-huh. Gumming breadsticks coming to a post-show recap podcast near you. Okay, so our work is done. That was the Mall Rats, and mm. we are we are finished here. No, we're just getting started, as we like to say here on post-show recaps with our recap of the second episode of Stranger Things is third season our third Stranger Things podcast overall Mike mm-hmm. we did the preview podcast uh-huh we've done the recap of the first episode why are you smiling why are you laughing are we sure this is Stranger Things <laughs> <laughs> Mike and I uh we are we are watching these episodes in person together it's been a blast so far uh if I can recommend it to to anyone out there to watch a TV show one that's a, a slightly edgy and slightly scary with Mike Bloom <laughs> Highly, highly recommended. I take the Lord's name in vain. Experience. Several times. Yes, uh, he's he's definitely ev- evoking uh, a biblical figure on 
multiple occasions. Uh, the 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 terrifying uh, Billy Hargrove uh, smashing heads into walls <laughs> motif has really gotten under Mike's skin. I yelled. Jesus at the top of my lungs. It was incredible. Like I was more afraid of Mike's proclamation than what was happening on the show. So watching Stranger Things with Mike has been a blast. And I would say, I would argue it's been more enjoyable than the season itself. Though I think that the season has provided some moments that have been pretty funny and fun as well. Uh, but we're talking about every single episode on an episode by episode basis here. As you are listening to this, it is, uh, as we are, uh, as we are releasing this podcast at the very least, this podcast is released on July 5th, the day after Stranger Things has arrived in its entirety. So people who are listening to this podcast, some of you very likely have seen the entirety of Stranger Things season three. What do you think the ratio is, Mike? Do you think more people are following along our pace or are listening or listening to this after having watched the whole thing and they're doing like the, the point and laugh and the ha-ha? I mean, listen, it's the internet. I would not be surprised if it was the it's latter. It's the point and the laugh and the ha-ha. I mean, also, I am someone who is still a bit piecemeal with my binging. I'm someone who likes to take a couple of quick bites of the breadstick instead of gumming it down yes. entirely. But I know that I am in the minority for that. So I can imagine, especially because it's a holiday weekend, especially, um, I can imagine that people would want to get this done, get done in one go. So I can imagine that, I mean, we saw significant development even between episodes one and two. I can only imagine where the heck we're going from here. And I'm sure in retrospect, we're sounding like big old fools. We're just sounding like we're garbling in Russian nonsensical phrases while a, a horse noise plays in the background. The blue meets the gold at the golden moon thing. The, the, the gum, the gum, the breadsticks and, yeah. and the <laughs> East meets the West. I don't know. I, don't, I think I got the, the message wrong. Uh, my Russian is a little rusty. A little, little ruski. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So we are recording these podcasts. We are releasing them episode by episode. This is our episode two recap. Uh, the schedule for those who need the refresher. We will have episode three posting July 8th. Episode four posting July 10th. Episode five posting July 12th. Episode six posting July 15th. Episode seven posting July 17th. Episode eight on July 19th. We are recording these podcasts from a secure location in the Upside Down. We're safe. We're fine. Yeah. No face huggers. No gooey rats. No threats of explosion yet. Nobody has told us to build anything at the moment. Yes. So far, we are not using our hands exactly as we like it. We are just uh, flapping our gums. <laughs> what? That sounds extremely weird. Listen, guys. <laughs> things are Strange things are happening here. Uh, we cannot take your feedback as we are going through these podcasts, but we will have a season-ending feedback show, so we would love your feedback for that post show recaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form. You can also tweet at us at post show recaps is the Twitter account. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. I am at round Howard. We would also love it if you would subscribe to this podcast. It's the easiest way to make sure that you are going to be able to follow along with everything we're doing on the Stranger Things beat right now. PosterRecaps.com slash Stranger Things is our dedicated show feed. Uh, you can subscribe to our main feed as well. We've got a lot of podcasting going on here uh, in the month of July on Poster Recaps. It's mostly Big Little Eyes and Stranger Things mm-hmm. right now. But we'll, we'll also accept any small gifts you want to get us, any mm-hmm. silver teddy bears. Yes. Uh, $300 is too much to pay for for uh for us right now hopefully we haven't broken your hearts to that extent yeah exactly and look you can dump us all you want well i've been yeah that's fine i mean please don't like say with us if you can uh but if you have to dump us uh i totally understand absolutely uh mike we are talking about the mall rats is the name 
of this episode in our uh, predictions podcast, in the prediction section of our, our preseason podcast. I predicted that the mall rats would be code for uh, a soft Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. If that is the case, and one of these rats was indeed Master Splinter, uh, R.I.P. Master Splinter. Well, I was good. No, I'm not, not R.I.P. Master Splinter, just a new form of him. And I know people were complaining about how Michael Bay's TMNT looked pretty darn ugly, but I think they've gone in an, in an even newer direction with yeah. the way they've been personifying There's these a turtles. very dark reboot of, of the turtles. Though we are sort of having like a Krang-esque, like, brain controlling the body type of thing something strange is going on uh with with the with the gooey rats and the gooey stuff and and billy seems to uh, we talked last time about is billy getting like uh see the avatar for some sort of mind flaying menace and that's looking it's looking like a pretty good theory yeah i think bitly confirmed bitly confirmed all right so where do you want to start with with this episode with the mall rats all right would you rather start with the uh spooky stuff or would you rather start with the frivolous stuff what's the the, oh, let's start with the spooky stuff. Let's okay. get into the scares. Let's get into the spooky stuff. Let's talk about the supernatural goings on because it's not just we're seeing a lot more of what's happening with Billy. Yeah. It's also like the magnets. How do they work? Yeah, is, magnets, is, bitch. You know, is very much a storyline that is happening here in episode two of Stranger Things and throughout season three of Stranger Things. It would seem that the magnets will probably be a big deal. Exploding rats. Frickin' Nancy and Jonathan seem to be involved in a relatively important storyline. You're going to need to explain that to me. Uh, the first appearance of Mr. Mr. Clark in this season, in this episode. Talk me through some of the supernatural goings on. Well, let's let's actually start where just where we left off, because we were wondering what was Billy getting dragged into? And like we said last time, there were some theories as to how he would be involved. There was a scene in the trailer that ended up coming to fruition here of him staring at the little uh, bite that shows in the shower. The bite came a bit early, yeah. it seems. Yes. Uh, and it seems to be spreading a bit. It was a bit similar to like the black veininess that was going on when we actually saw it getting pulled out of Will. So I think it seems to symbolize some sort of influence on the Mind Flayer. I guess my top story here, Josh, is that it seems like the Mind Flayer is back, but it seems like he has a different strategy. So, yeah. I, so the Mind Flayer in, in Season 2, it, it it took Will as its host. It was trying to control him because he had that connection to the Upside Down. Um and I wonder why it needs to go after someone like Billy, who is a fairly normal human being, albeit, you know, a total jerk, but like nothing like out of this world about him. Well, what I wonder if it's less about like, I need to choose you because you're special. And it's more so because, I mean, he just happened to conveniently crash near the steelworks. Sure. And we saw it sort of build something. Well, it wasn't convenient, right? Like he was like ambushed, don't you think? Well, I think he was just driving by and he happened to hit something. Oh, and he was just erratically yeah, driving. Like okay. we saw that, you know, he was gathering, speaking of erratically, the rat. Rats right. gathering, which we'll certainly talk about. And I wonder if the Mind Flayer's big plan here is, okay, he used, you know, it used Will as a spy last yes. time. We talked about that. And I wonder if now it's trying to take an invasion of the body snatchers approach. Okay. I'm wondering, you know, when we hear you have Yeah, because to- you do see like the like the like the the gaggle of people behind exactly. like Shadow Billy. Billy has like this this face to face with Are we himself. doing like is this like a link dark link thing, do you think? Ooh, I love Shadow Link. This yeah. is like uh are we talking Zelda two? Zelda two, the Ooh. really hard boss battle, yeah. That is a really tough boss battle. I mean it's a really difficult game in general. Yeah, great game though. I mean I'm underrated. I'm, the, the, the 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 direct sequel is Mario Two doesn't get enough love. Mario Link two, two doesn't yeah, get I enough mean, Mario love. Mario Two is technically a doki doki panic first before they just completely made it over because the other Mario right. 2 was way too hard but True. we are going to go off the beaten path of a little bit here. but we could talk about that another time um so i think that the the big you know statement to take here is we always wondered what did the mind flayer want and i mean billy literally asked 
what I'm assuming is the mind flare that when we see him in the upside down and it's very reminiscent of, uh, you know, uh, Field of Dreams. Yes. If, if you, you build it, it they will come. come. Yeah. He says, I want you to build what you see. What does he, does he mean like what you see? Like, is there something that he is seeing that we haven't seen? Or is he talking about what you see in this particular moment? Because if it's what you see in this particular moment, it's, it's Shadow Billy with a bunch of like people behind him. That's what I'm thinking. It's the latter. I think what the Mind Flayer's new plan is, as you know, it tried to manually seep itself in through the tunnels and try to take over. But I think now it's going to get through the people. So now Billy is sort of going to be its emissary, delivering fresh bodies to whatever creature that is to take it to be taken over and to essentially build an army of these sort of possessed shadow clones. And again, I I mentioned this last podcast, but I keep thinking back to the thing. Yeah. And I talked to you about this offline. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that they continue with this, but I'm over. I'm more hopeful that we don't see it. Yeah, I would love because that's one of the fantastic things about John Carpenter's original film is that it's a guessing game that you play along with as to who's, you know, who's being taken over by this alien creature and who hasn't. I would love to not know outside of Billy and and Heather, apparently, who is someone who's under the influence, who is a a mind flayer creature. So you're saying that like characters who are currently active in the show right now could potentially already be under the possession of the mind flayer in this theory? I don't know about already, but I feel like in future episodes, you could see a thing where like maybe this time when we see Hopper in this in in episode five, right? He's already been taking over. Well, is there anyone who we, who we have seen so far in, in the, in the current continuity of the show that we could feel like re like some reasonable level of comfort comfortable suspicion of like oh you could be you could be flayed right now like you might not like mr clark for example <laughs> what if the mind flayer is just a big weird al fan and uh, so he's hanging out in his garage just banging out to to weird al oh my god mr clark spending his summers painting models in his uh gordon from big little eyes as train yes. listening to weird al is a mood and it's something that I think if you replace painting models with doing a stop motion film it was one summer that I definitely spent with my Ooh. friends. So I am absolutely here for it. I would I would say, honestly, if you're looking at people who are out of character, look no further than Jim Hopper. Yeah, Jim. Well, I don't know. Jim Hopper is he's he's still getting drunk. Uh, he's eating Fruit Loops like a gross person. Not like I, 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 not the no, Fruit Loops were, are gross. I think they were sugar smacks. Sugar. But, it's got, it's got nothing to do there. with the cereal. It's more like the manner in which he consumes the cereal. Just yeah. like way too excited. Dude, you finish the cereal, then you drink the milk. Yeah, like, he was. Yeah. He's a monster. Maybe that's the maybe that's the, the detection. The amount of milk that seems to be in the bowl of cereal. I think that he could gum the cereal more easily than he could gum the breadsticks. <laughs> just a thought. G- David Harbord, you no teeth for next season. Yeah. You're a pure gum just, diet. Just now. a just just a hunch. Uh, Hopper being on no, Hopper is too much of a story. I think it would have to be somebody who doesn't have a really like central POV story yet. So like oh. I'd be looking at someone like Max, for example, mm. who is like kind of like influencing Eleven right now. I don't think that that's where it's going because I think that like the Eleven and Max friendship in this episode was too pure to kind of ruin with that type yeah. of a storyline. But that's the level of character I'm looking at. All and right. that's like the level of involvement in the storyline right now. Who hasn't had like a real POV moment? Like Mayor Klein, who is introduced in this episode. Carrie always, could he be somebody who is under the possession of something? Um, these are just the types of people that I'd be looking what at. What about Karen Wheeler? Karen Wheeler. Well, Karen Wheeler, we've seen a little bit of a... Uh, That's true. We did show... Because we did She see made the be, choice to not she go. She was thirsty in season two, so... I'm, yes. just, I'm not looking for anyone who's acting like a drone. I'm just looking for anybody who acts out of character. Yeah. 
So I, we know nothing about Robin, uh, played mm-hmm. by Maya Hawk, who is who is working with Dustin and Steve to crack the Russian code and figure out what the heck is going on there. Uh, she could have some sort of strange involvement, um, just because this is not a character that we know at all uh, yet. Um, we would need to see, I think, a little more agency from her before I feel pretty clear about her being okay. I, I would expect that there's nobody on the show yet who, I would agree. who is uh, who is already under the influence of the Mind Flayer unless we've seen it happen. But I yeah. love your idea that now that we know that this is something that could happen, is there a way for like a character get to get copied and replaced, right? Like, is yeah. there a way for like a character to get like abducted and uh, like turned into like some shadow version of themselves and we don't know it or is there no way to really do that without it feeling like some sort of cheat i think that the surprise element is going to be hard for the show to pull off right yeah now. well i wonder it depends like you said on the uh, level of the characters i do wonder if it does become a thing it's going to be one of those like if you rewatch the season then it makes much more sense than at the time being and i guess to that point about the copy thing because there's a difference between what happens with billy here where it looks like he when we see the face hugger you know right. this little end of this really gooey creature that comes out at the end of the episode it looks like he basically just got like xeroxed whereas maybe someone like heather might be more so replaced because i think billy right here is patient zero but also like the right hand man of the mind flare at this point do i retroactively score a half point for uh suzy being a clone based on suzy do you copy mm-hmm. now that you were saying you did, that people are getting xeroxed you did mention clone and yes. you didn't mention rats yeah so so we'll see we'll see uh um, i was very disappointed i mean depending on some points of this episode, there were certain storylines in this episode that I would have rather watch Ethan Suplay stare yeah. and interact <laughs> the in black, the black mirror style, <laughs> guessing the optical illusion that yeah. actually watching those occur on screen. What about what's up with the magnets? What's going on with the magnets? So it looks like, so we saw a little bit of the magnet stuff and I thought maybe it was connected to the mind flare. Maybe not because Joyce, you know, sees that at the store she's at, there's nothing else to really do. She notices the magnets are all askew, a scoot, if yes, you will. Yes, I will. Uh, and so she decides to do some investigation, some heavy investigation. And that includes poor besieged Mr. Clark, who yeah. just apparently has to be on call at all times for all these characters to beckon to him. Though I will say, uh, I know you and I have both have experienced middle school with science teachers. He's pretty damn knowledgeable for a middle school science teacher. He's a very knowledgeable middle school science teacher. Uh, I, I think that anyone would be lucky to have a Mr. Clark in their life. Uh, he talks about how it's not impossible that the, that the level of, uh, of demagnetizing that is occurring could be caused by a very, very, very large machine, uh, that re- re- it would require a battery with like, a huge voltage. Tens of millions of dollars would have to be invested in it. Joyce wonders if that's possible. He has the great line where he says, we cured polio in 53. We landed on the moon in 69. As I tell my students, when you open that curiosity door, anything is possible. Yeah. And I think that I'm wondering what that's tying into, because I do not think that's tying into the monster thing. My hunch is... But but the the curiosity door, actually, right? Because in that first scene we see with Billy in the beginning of the episode, which I kind of wish had been like the ending of the premiere. Where he burst out? Yeah, I feel like it would have been better to get like that face-to-face. The cold open of this episode, I wish had been the ending of the first episode. Because I think the image of him in the upside down looking at these shadowy figures in the distance... That would have been very scary and provocative. Very cool image. I feel like the, the premiere ended in a way where like it relied too much on us being concerned about Billy. Like, is something bad going to happen to Billy? Instead, it's like, oh, sweet. Billy's in trouble. They're they're off the mark on that guess. You know, that would have been fun. But in the the cold open, 
it begins where you see like Billy like getting like barfed out of a door, basically. Yeah. Um, and stay out. And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so is he? Is that a door into the upside down? Is there is there still like a, a sliver of a connection into the universe? Is that the yeah. curiosity? Door? Is there is there a gate? I, I do wonder. But I I personally think the magnets are connected to the Russians because if there's if there this has been revealed this episode that there is an operative hanging out in Hawkins. We saw that's the guy at the bar. Yeah. So we saw the guy at the bar. He's also the guy who uh, there was a shot of him in the trailer walking around a fun house set of mirrors with a gun. Okay. Uh, he's the, he's the guy from the cold open who after that poor scientist gets choked out the camera like lingers on him he's the guy who chokes out the scientist no he's he's another guy okay he's just sort of he's a standard by but he has been representing the russian military so it seems like he's sort of like a sleeper agent within hawkins i wonder if you know maybe he's trying to construct a similar type of chernobyl-like reactor that we see in russia in hawkins yeah since we know that there are vulnerable the rats by the way are starting to look a little chernobyl-ish yeah I mean, they're very much at like the the end of that timeline there, considering that they're less so rats and more so just sort of piles of fake vomit from a joke shop that it can move around. So on on two fronts, we are getting confirmation that there's Russian activity in Hawkins itself. It's not just this man. It's not just this guy who's who we saw in the cold open, who is uh, is he spying on Hopper? Is that part of what's mm-hmm. going on? It's so interesting considering that I was listening to the podcast you and Antonio did and you said like, man, I really thought there'd be Russian spies this season. And you just had to, to wait one more season. Wow, I had our brothers were ready. Were we joking? Did we mean that? I don't know. You put it out into the universe. You opened up that curiosity door. Antonio, what have we done? Antonio, oh my gosh, we have too much power. Uh, but there's that, and there's the fact that Dustin and Steve and Robin, who, again, played by, by Maya Hawk, who really is so much her parents' child. Like, yep. you can, you can really, especially, you can really hear the Uma Thurman in her voice. <laughs> like, her line delivery is so Uma Thurman. I could just hear her going, wiggle your big toe. Uh, really, really great. I'm loving that character. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I, which is so interesting because Robin, from what I heard in the press release, it was like she was basically like a goth character and yeah. maybe it's because we haven't seen her out of the costume but like i've not gotten a sense of that but it's one of the things that i loved about max like i talked about last time she is so like sarcastic and insulting to these two dorks uh and i now call steve a dork because i mean you can't do a lightsaber handshake without being considered a dork that was pretty great i think you and i have to work on our handshake yes Didn't, that was like my immediate feeling was like feeling very bad about myself because like i don't have a handshake with anyone that's that cool and i loved how like sincerely joyous Steve was that Dustin was there. And I and I there's that. I also I also thought in in terms of the handshake itself how much Steve loves being the guy who gets like skewered with the lightsaber. Yeah. And was, like he just like emulates the, like the the guts and the the viscera like pouring out of like the cavity in his body that is yeah. created by the lightsaber. He was doing Qui-Gon Jinn 14 years before Qui-Gon Jinn. It was even uh, the way that he was pantomiming it was even grislier than what happened to Qui-Gon Jinn. That's true. He didn't fall down a large chasm. No, no. He like he was like mimicking like all the blood pouring out. that was great um but they have determined that the that the russian code uh which just to to put it on the record this is what the code is the week is long the silver cat feeds when blue meets yellow in the west there's this music that's playing beneath the message and steve can't stop thinking about the music and everyone's like kind of like you know uh dunking on him being like why are you paying attention to the music but it's because it, it's related to to the indiana flyer the horse at the mall yeah. and uh the the music that plays when you're on the horse is the same music that's in the message so uh the russians 
Aaron Hawkins, not just the guy that's near Hopper right now, um, but something else must be going on with this operation is actually taking place within Hawkins. Maybe they shouldn't have driven uh, the the crazy company out of out of town. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, Hawkins uh, Hawkins uh, science facility was like a necessary evil. Yeah, like they should have because now it seems like they're completely unchecked. Unless it's going to like turn out that like. The Russians are benevolent here. Uh, which, no, we have great time. You know, who, know, who knows what's going to happen there? It's like a real like kind of like changing the narrative on that stuff. Well, could be kind of funny. Here's an interesting idea. So I'm so intrigued by the horse noise because uh, it seems like I can't imagine any other Indiana Flyers like around Indiana or even around Hawkins. Here's my thoughts. What if there's a gate below the mall? Yeah, the Russians through some shady dealings, like we're a real a shadow real estate company that talked with Mayor Klein about building a mall, and so this whole mall thing is like basically a, front. a big front, so they could so that they could do some research within the mall. Itself. It makes a lot of sense because we know that Hawkins is a hotbed for this type of activity. It's essentially become like the nice uh, Sunnydale Hellmouth, basically. Right, exactly, and I think in this episode they really made a point to stress the fact that the mayor is like he he was the guy who was like the driving force behind creating the Starcourt Mall. Yeah. That there's a lot of protesting that's involved in the creation of the Starcourt Mall. It's also a a pretty new build. I don't think that there, this existed until fairly recently. Yeah, they don't so, really invest in that like neon lights technology. Listen, I don't know how it was in 1985, but I could tell you in in modern day America, that mall does not get like planned and created in a six month span. Yeah. I would also say I, I would love to do like 2010 Stranger Things where the mall is protesting like Amazon. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh yeah, like the the Barnes and Noble is about to get shut down. You know, I I feel like uh there there's a lot of there there that this that this mall exists as some sort of cover, as some sort of front, uh just because of that timeline. And yeah. the fact that Mayor Klein um seems to be uh seems to be the driving force behind it. And he's been described as like he's supposed to be like a smarmy character that kind of comes across in this episode. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do we think about Carrie Elba's Stranger Things debut? Yeah, I mean, like you know, he's chomping on a cigar. He's got the cigar cutter. He's just like you know, like feet on the desk type of guy. Uh, I don't think that this is a character that's gonna be like really in the long haul. I think that he could be going the way of Sean Astin uh, by the end of the season. Seems fairly likely to. So me. that means we're gonna put up a nice drawing of him on the fridge. After right? The season. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be a very sentimental flashback. <laughs> Larry in the season Klein, four premiere. <laughs> superhero. Oh, Are you sad that he's? Larry Klein and not Kevin Klein. I'm very angry that he's not Kevin You're very Klein. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike's just flying in a rage. I am <laughs> seeing I'm red, swearing at the screen. That <laughs> I saw a big old thing that said Larry Klein on the desk. Did you like the mall shopping montage in this episode? Because we see we see Eleven and Max. Eleven Eleven uh, feels like she's being dissed by by Mike. There's that really funny phone call at the start of the episode where he's trying to tell her, "Oh, Nana is really sick. I think she's gonna die." And Karen Wheeler's like, "Wait, what? What's happening?" Nana's like, "Get off the phone, Mom!" Uh, and Eleven, she's all about the wait, but friends don't lie. And he's like, "I'm not lying." And then she goes to Max and says, "Friends don't lie." And she says, "Yeah, but boyfriends lie all the time." <laughs> yeah, and, we we get a little bit more in- insight into you know, Lucas seemed like he was a pretty good boyfriend. He's been dumped five times <laughs> in like a month. And why? What did he do? I what mean, happened? It's all kind of what he did last time. Yeah, I don't it, like. I, it makes me nervous. If I, he did the spring equivalent of drinking all the water and offering her spit. Like, yeah, now that all makes sense. Yeah, it's starting to add up in in <laughs> retrospect. But this all leads to the the shana na 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 of it all. 
<laughs> as we get the material girl montage uh, where it's not just Eleven and Max are shopping, but the boys are shopping as well. There's like the fashion photo shoot. They exploding orange sodas. The, the makeover montage. I cannot believe. Like if you're talking about the tropes on top of the tropes, that is the pinnacle of trope of trope mountain. Yeah, it was trope peak. What was the uh, what was the soda that you liked to mix? Black gold. Uh, yeah, black gold. Yeah. I, that exploded all over my yeah. face. I wouldn't be too mad. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a pop and soda here and Eleven is able to pop. do that. She's no no nosebleeds for Eleven in that moment. Uh you didn't like this. It just didn't feel like Stranger Things to but me. But they're teenagers, man. Yeah, this is I, what teenagers I, do. They I, go to the mall. They're mall rats. They're the mall rats. And I understand that, like, I'm glad that they're, again, stretching their focus a bit to be like, okay, we know that these aren't kids anymore. But maybe it's because the kids have been so intrinsically focused for the first two seasons into, like, the weird stuff that it feels weird for them not to be involved in the weird stuff. Right. If that makes sense. That, right. like... That this episode was all about relationship drama, and I know eventually the other shoe's going to drop, and that they are going to get involved. But for now, I'm feeling I'm feeling weird about it. You know, I don't as much as I enjoy Mike and Eleven together. I don't necessarily care about them sort of doing like the he said she said thing. Yeah, although I will say that typically uh, we said in the last podcast that these that these best quotes of the episode may belong to Erica all season long. I don't think that's the case this week. I think the best quote of the episode does go to Eleven when she walks right up to Mike and says, I dump your ass. What a great way to break up with somebody. Speaking of Erica, can we talk about the fact that this is the second episode in a row. Why does she hang out with kids that are like at least five years younger than her? I don't know. I mean, they, they she, she was pretty young in the first season. I don't know how old the actress is. I don't know. She must, uh, I don't know if she hit a growth spurt or something, but it's it's a, my a bigger problem is why they are all unchecked at the mall and they seem to just be like running is, roughshod over a scoop. So this is Hawkins, <laughs> Indiana, Josh. It's they're like a like, racket. The parents say, bye, kids, have fun. We'll see you in a week. And I they're guess. totally OK. Yeah, it. that's something we didn't talk about with the most recent episode is like, uh, with the first episode rather, is when everybody goes to install Cerebro uh, and everyone like slowly bails. Um, they've just like set up Cerebro and Lucas and Max, they like leave at the dead of night and then Will goes after them and they just leave Dustin alone. And like, it seemed like it, it was like climbing the lost mountain to like yeah. go to the, to the radio yeah, tower. Yeah, exactly. To, to Nadia comes parachute. You know, Maybe that's Susie. You know, it seemed like a really, a really intense trek. And they just left Dustin alone <laughs> in the middle of the wilderness, braved the, the wilderness in the dark on their own, but left Dustin with a whole radio tower to <laughs> disassemble by himself in only the moonlight. Like that was that was uh, that was really, really cruel of them. Well, I wonder if the radio tower stayed up there. Like, yeah. I, I wonder how much the police are really busting up considering they have other things to do. Well, but- I'd be concerned uh, unless it's weatherproofed. What happens if it rains? That's and you true. just leave it there? Apparently it never rains. I don't think we've seen it rain once in Stranger Things so far. I, not that I recall. Um, I think the Mind Flayers are good weather controllers in that regard. It was cool to see the Upside Down again, though, even though it was through Billy that, like, you were kind of in there and, like, you yeah. see, like, the like the dust specks of darkness. Yeah, because we didn't... I mean, we saw it a lot through Will's eyes in Season 2, but we didn't see a lot of... You know, Season 1, we had Nancy literally going in there. Uh, we had Eleven go in there quite a few times. So it's always nice to sort of check in just because it's such an interesting aesthetic and it's so bleak yeah that it's, it's just it's great to check in there sometimes especially compared to like this episode might have been the most 80s episode we've ever had you, i mean in a certain sense in a certain way for sure from a fashion perspective i think between what 11 was wearing and you know D- D- hopper's uh choice in magnum pi mag- and he loved it he was so happy to put oh, that shirt on he's he like he, it off. <laughs> no, he looks great he looks great i think that the blazer helped 
I think so, because I was a little worried. Really nice blazer. When I hear the string quartet, I was worried he was going to walk in there underdressed, yeah. but I think he was pretty good with the dress code. I still, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I, th- yeah. I still think like a little underdressed for that restaurant, it seems. Well, he can do whatever he wants. He's the chief of police. He's he can walk chief. out with a full That's bottle a of Chianti. Oh, the chief of police. Uh, that was, that was really amazing. Um, Billy, uh, knocking out Karen Wheeler in his, in his imagination. Jesus. And, and then knocking out Heather in reality. Um, what do we, what do we think ultimately is going to be Billy's fate here? We see that the rats are exploding. Yeah. Is this a ticking time bomb for Billy? Is Billy going to turn into a pile of goo? I would imagine so. Yeah. I think that's honestly the plan. And I wonder if it's just because, you know, Despite people doing frequent testings of things on rats in the day-to-day, I feel like maybe rats have a lo- uh, lesser timeline when it comes to being exposed to effects. Yeah. And so maybe it might be more of a prolonged effect in humans where they eventually turn into monsters. But I got to feel it's coming with Billy. You know, there's a scene in the trailer where we see Jonathan's in some sort of corridor where the lights turn off and the lights turn back on and we see this monster I would not be surprised if it was Billy. All right. I guess we got to talk about Jonathan and Nancy because they go <laughs> they go over to, to the nice old lady's house, Mrs. Driscoll. Doris Driscoll. What's going on with Doris Driscoll? Doris Driscoll's been having a little bit of rat problems. Rat problem. Rats in the basement. She claims that they have uh, some diseased rats, as she says, have gnawed through her fertilizer. And she doesn't necessarily know why. The choice of fertilizer is extremely intriguing. And it, it's, a, it's a, a good reason to give pause, as uh, as Doris Driscoll does, because... I mean, if you think about the Mind Flayer and just how much Season 2 was connected to agriculture, Mm -hmm. this idea of vines and the tunnels underneath the ground, I wonder if that's still connected to that? Like, are these weird sort of... You're saying the Mind Flayer got the taste for for agriculture, for pumpkins. I mean, if if we're saying plants versus zombies, my theory presupposes is, why not both? Why not plants and zombies? Exactly. So, it is an interesting choice, uh, but she does capture one of these rats, which Jonathan just snaps a million photos of right. to get it to calm down, and he uh, he sees it sort of freak out. Nancy drags him away, though, before the big reveal, as we saw. It doesn't just explode, as we saw last episode. It more so transforms. Yeah, so it turns into, like, a crawling pile of goop. Yeah. Uh, that, like, is able to leak out of its cage and, like, crawl off to parts unknown. It essentially turns into Odo from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Is that what Odo did? I he, never got that far in Deep Space Nine. He, he has the ability, I mean, he's a shapeshifter, but he does have the ability to sort of, like, Alex Mack himself into goo to get into This was, like, places. kind of like a gory Alex Mack. Yeah, essentially. It's like if Alex Mack wasn't, like, liquid metal, but instead, like, could just, like, liquefy her own body into a liquefied state, like, it would probably look closer to this. If they made a video of, like, if Alex Mack was realistic, like, I feel like it would be along the lines uh i wonder what would have happened if jonathan had stuck around to see the rat explode uh for one the heart attack (laughs) would have probably been a a lot to overcome uh the next thing is like is it like if like a if like a poisonous spore explodes in your face like would he have gotten uh possessed by the rat gunk or something Mm. like that i just feel like the only way you can get possessed is apparently if the face sucker hits you right right so maybe i don't know it seems like you put you planted the flag last season of are dustin and hopper infected by the spores that sort of went into their mouths when they were down in the tunnels doesn't seem so right so maybe it has to be more of a direct contact with you know patient zero yeah unless they yeah maybe there is some shadow version of dustin and and hopper for that reason but it doesn't seem like it right like, I yeah so. it doesn't seem like that uh did you feel like the goo 
the crawling goo like had like any kind of like noticeable form. Like so, it kind of it didn't look humanoid, but didn't it look like it had like kind of like limbs and yeah, stuff? Yeah, so by the end, and I wonder if you know, we saw this with the demodog last time where it went from this polywog form to like growing some limbs to actually turning into a canine like creature. I wonder if it's a similar type of thing where it'll evolve super quickly where it goes from, like, this sort of amoeba-like state to, yeah, it did seem like it had at least one little limb that was, like, helping it scooch along. So maybe it's going to turn into that creature again that we see at the end, which looks a little bit like a Venom type of creature. Oh, my God, Eddie. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to... We are Billy. Yeah, <laughs> Billy's going to just pound tater tots by the end of this season. It's going to be pretty remarkable. And himself into a lobster tank. Oh, my God. He was very sweaty in this episode. I am I, I rarely root for Billy, but I am rooting for Billy to, like, overpower at least Jonathan of Jonathan and Nancy. Just, like, to do anything humanly pow- like humanly possible to just, like, put an end to that story. My like, goodness. I'm just done with it. I just, I don't like the Nancy and Jonathan stuff. Wow. So they finally find true love. They finally find Good for them. journalists. But the, now the career feels like it's, it's a serious word. They have a lead. There. They've got a lead. They've got they've got the source coming up. Uh, chapter five. The source is clearly Mrs. Driscoll, right? That's the Mrs. Driscoll <laughs> flashback episode. This is where we find out Mrs. Driscoll created. Mrs. Driscoll. Well, you predicted time travel heading into this season. Mm-hmm. Is Mrs. Driscoll a time traveling alternate universe Barb? <laughs> Uh, who comes back to Hawkins to avenge the alternate reality younger version of herself. Yeah, if you do an anagram of Doris Driscoll, you get Barb survived. I don't think that's correct, but... <laughs> Listen, in Russian, maybe. Yeah, the Russian alphabet is very It's a different. different alphabet. You're absolutely right. That's a, that's a totally, <laughs> totally valid point. Uh, just back to the mall stuff. I said before that I love Sadie Sink as Max, and I and Millie Bobby Brown is, you know, I think probably like the big star of the kids other than Finn Wolfhard mm. as 11. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is 11. I, I really did enjoy seeing the two of them as friends. I think that was, was fun. I thought it was, I thought it was really nice to see, especially because like didn't they end season two where like they kind of like Max was like, "Hey, I'm Max," and Eleven's like, "Don't care." Well, because Eleven remember when she was sneaking around when she was outside of the Upside Down, and nobody knew it. She walked into the school to see Mike and saw him interacting with Sadie, with uh with, with Max, Max at that one point in time, and she made her fall off her skateboard. So she sort of had those weird jealous feelings towards right. her in the wrong place, but. I, I will say, well, I wasn't a big fan of this Mike 11 stuff. I did enjoy that just because those are two characters that we didn't necessarily see ever interact with each other. And it was cool to see one impart advice onto the other. There was a really poignant line where when she was taking her shopping in the gap, uh, she said, you know, she was said, hey, you know, the way you shop, you just find something that you think, you know, is reminds you of yourself. Yeah. And it is a really interesting point because 11 has been so much you know, molded in the image of so many different types of people, whether it's a Brenner, whether it's a Hopper, whether it's a Mike, she has sort of served as uh, a tool almost to them in a manner of way, shape or form. And so this is an opportunity for Eleven to truly discover who she is. Yeah, and I th- that comes from character. And I really like that. You know, I-, I think I knock this show often enough in terms of the writing stuff. And I think that this this that that kind of evolution of, of Eleven potentially moving forward. Elevolution? The, I can't, I'm not even going to try. I think that it could... It, <laughs> I think it could come from a from a good place because I think if nothing else, like Max, 
Max is very much herself. And yeah. even though she's been ingratiated with this group and she's, you know, she's hanging out with the party and everything, she's part of that crew and she's, you know, dating Lucas, not a, not a drop of her individuality has, has been diminished. Yeah, she's still skateboarding even. And, you know, if she's the one who's coming to Eleven and saying you want to, you want something that makes you feel like yourself, like she's not going to like mold Eleven in a way that's more like Max. You know, right. she's going to help mold Eleven in a way that's more Eleven. Like, yeah, that looks great. Is that what you think looks great? That looks great. Like, I feel like that is a good, fun element. If we need to bring, 11 to a place of like self-actualization that's like away from all of these other you know quote-unquote masters that she's studied under for whatever you know variety of degree uh over the past uh couple of seasons that i think that they tried to do that with the superhero storyline mm-hmm. last season uh with the with the chicago storyline with that uh dreadful episode that i really disliked uh but this feels a lot more earned because max yeah. is a character who's been already built up across the season two and it this seems like it's really it's stemming from a place that's that's very true to the way that that character had been written. So I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and I would say that even the representation of Image, I mean, when we first saw Eleven, she had a shaved head, which was done by Brenner. Next, we saw her, you know, her cabin wear, which was her big old, you know, fro-like look with the overalls. That's clear that was Hopper-inspired. Right. Then she goes to Chicago, and Callie gives her that sort of uh, hot topic look with the the big black boots and the leather jacket and the eyeshadow and everything. So, I mean, it really is the first time for her to discover her own sense of self. Uh, and... If that's the case, then maybe they should stay broken up for a little while so that, you know, it's not just thought about, like, who's 11 in relation to Mike. It's who's 11 in relation to herself. Well, you've said that you are sensing a theme of growing apart here in season three of Stranger Things. Are you still sensing that? I mean, we I dump your ass like Michael and 11 are no longer a thing, at least for the moment. Is that going to are they going to revert back to a relationship by the end of the season? Yes, I would imagine so. I think that the show, as you sort of said, is so sweet on what its fans think and i feel like mike and 11 have been shipped to pieces that i don't think they would want to keep it a permanent separation no sam and diane here uh but i will say a big representation of that was poor old will all he wants to do is play dungeons and dragons he's been dragged through the mall having to listen to all this relationship crap and that's not what he wants to do is that like the final scene of the season is like finally a dungeons and dragons game Ooh, i could see that like that it takes all that this time like no one's listening to him no one wants to play with him and then finally we get dungeons and dragons yeah and then james franco comes in and starts to play with him oh i like this you you geeks are cool yeah (laughs) uh anything else from the episode that you want to hit on any of the songs we like the weird owl my bologna my god the original wand off artist which is also like uh, Bologna was uh, something that they used to attract, I believe, the demo dogs. Is that, oh, season. is that right? Yeah. yeah. So I remember <laughs> Dustin right. was, uh, I remember him trying to attract Dart to the shed by yelling shit, 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 shit as he's throwing That's Bologna right. behind him. That's right. Uh, fun, uh, you know, self, like slightly navel gazing, but like I think like a good earned internal Easter egg when Hopper is so happy that his plan to get Mike out of their work that he goes driving and he's, he's blasting, you don't mess around with Jim again. Yes. From season two. That was yeah. good. And it doesn't play so well on the record play but he is uh, screaming at the top of his lungs. He'd be a master at carpool karaoke. I'd give him a wombat hat. Uh, I liked uh, Cold as Ice coming in after I dump your ass. That was a great, that was a very good music cue, I thought. Yeah, I I think the music choices are always on point. I mean, it's the 80s. There's always fantastic uh, songs. Sometimes they're like a little too cute, but I think in this case, I I liked it. Um, Mike, I had said... Ninja Turtles reboot for for Mallrats was was my guess, and you had said that it would be a soft Kevin Smith's Mallrats <laughs> reboot. 
with a Bandersnatch splash, <laughs> with a splash of choose your own adventure. And while we were not the ones choosing the adventure, the children certainly were mm. as they were going shopping. And, and Eleven herself uh, is choosing what, <laughs> what clothes she likes. She's choosing what she wants to shop. And since the children themselves are like young versions uh, of, uh, you know, they're, they're mall rats in, in this episode, uh, even though I had the actual rat we cannot confirm or deny, I guess, but we cannot confirm that any of the rats are splinter. So I cannot award myself any points for this episode. <laughs> At least for now, it's on hold. But I think that you would win the week is is my judgment oh, on okay. this one. I'll take it. I think that, you know, it, it wasn't our choice and the bandersnatchiness of it, but it, it was bandersnatchy in their hearts. Yes. Uh, so Exactly. No, it was all about choice. You know, I don't know if I had the two options on my remote, if I would select break up with Mike, but she chose to. She went down yeah. that path. Maybe we'll see if she has the opportunity to go back and make another choice. Yeah, I think, I think just as we're kind of like evolving the point system uh, as we go here for, for the, the preseason draft that we did, I think you should get two points if you if you like nailed the prediction. <laughs> well, boy, like well. if you just if you got it, you know, uh, or maybe even like 10 points if you got it, because some of these were, were ludicrous. Let's go with two. Uh, and then like one point if you just like whoever, if you whoever mentioned a spare detail yeah, that happens got, to if, someone match up. Close. It'll be a, a little loose, but I'll give myself like a, like a, like a half point for uh, getting copies uh, mm-hmm. from episode one. And I'll give you a full point. For uh, your mall rats, that works for reboot. me. I like being our own our own scores people yeah. for this. You know, we'll just we'll make it up as we go. But so far, I would say you are you are in the in the lead. Anything else from this episode, or or uh, you good to 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 hop into episode three, uh, the case of the missing lifeguard. So it's clear that up. that's going to refer to Heather's Heather, missing, at which this point. is yep. going to pretend well to my. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Right. <laughs> Crossover pick. <laughs> right. I've got, honey, I blew up the kids. You as, got, you, my your, mind, your money's on big Holly. <laughs> yes. Yes. We've only seen a little bit of Holly so far. Uh, it seems like she's been, uh, she's been, uh, Ray Zelinsky'd at this point, <laughs> which if you don't know who Ray Zelinsky is, he's the inventor of the machine with which you shrink the kids. Yeah, uh, from honey, I, from honey, I shrunk <laughs> or, the kids, or blow up the baby, or shrink yourself. We didn't talk about that too, but in the first episode of the of the season, uh, the Russians were using Ray Zelinsky's technology, <laughs> were they not, to yeah, try exactly. and get into the upside down? Yeah, exactly. And I can't wait for them to uh, to meet up with a bunch of big bees. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I mean, that's possible. Exploding bees could be what's coming next. Oh boy, I'm so scared of that. Uh, but yeah, I'm, this episode I think progressed things really interestingly. I'm hopeful that we move on from maybe some of the... I know I talked about last time how the interpersonal drama intrigued me. I might walk that back a little bit depending on how things went with the Mike and Eleven stuff. But I'm intrigued to see how that progresses. And specifically, if the Mind Flayer's plan is indeed to intercept and take over the people in the Hawkins community, how is that going to be portrayed? Because if it really is going to be a you-can't-trust-anybody from an audience perspective, I am elated. I think it'll be cool. I think that would be cool just to be a little bit uh a little bit sour i think it might be a little too cool for stranger things <laughs> yeah this is a show about dorks so well not even that i just think like sometimes like that that would be like a really fun option and i feel like you know they don't they don't always go that down that road but that's just me being cranky that's just mm. me being a little cranky uh we've got the the case of the missing lifeguard to both watch and discuss Next, that podcast is going to be available in your feed on July 
8th, we will not be able to entertain your feedback for that podcast. But as we keep saying here, we are gathering your feedback for our grand finale feedback show, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. You can tweet at us at postshowrecaps on Twitter. Mike is on Twitter at amikebloomtype. I am at round howard subscribe to the podcast however you choose postshowrecaps.com slash stranger things for our show feed for stranger things your ratings your reviews greatly greatly appreciated uh other than that shall we uh shall we move on to the next episode let's do it all right we'll see you guys very soon